Yeah, good morning, Frederick. Good morning, everyone, and uh, or good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Pleasure to be here. Perfect. So great. Um, Scott, first of all, can you introduce yourself, uh, explain uh, to the audience uh, your background, or basically what's your story, Scott? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name um, well, my name is Scott Phillips. I work for Echo Shoes. I've been at Echo for five years now uh, in the capacity of Global uh, Supply Chain Director for our shoe production and sourcing. Uh, previous to that, I'd had uh, supply chain experience in manufacturing, implementing SNOP programs uh, in different areas, uh, different industries and different uh, countries around Southeast Asia and Europe. Um, and just recently, we've uh, moved into Echo uh, another dimension in terms of growing the business and, and exploring our SNOP journey further. So looking forward to sharing some, uh, some comments and some learnings uh, around that experience today with the participants. Perfect. Uh, so thanks, Scott, for this introduction. Uh, now, can you take us through your uh, SNOP journey? And um, probably before that, uh, explain uh, a little bit more the context of, uh, of ECHO. I guess everyone knows ECHO, ECHO Shoes, but uh, it would be good to have uh, a quick overview, a reminder of, uh, of the company, of what the company is and what uh, it does. And, uh, and also, uh, mainly, it's, uh, it's supply chain challenges. Yeah, sure. So uh, I hope everyone knows Echo Shoes. Uh, we're very proud of our business, but uh, maybe a quick introduction because it is a little unique in terms of its uh, setup. So we're, we were born in 1963 with a founder who went down to southern Jutland in Denmark to uh, start a shoemaking business. Uh, and in the late 70s, uh, we introduced Echo as a brand, um, uh, making mainly formal lady shoes. Um, from there, we had a, a very humble beginning. This is our Headquarters still in Denmark, uh, for those who can see the sh see the screen. Uh, to now, we are a, a leading global footwear company with uh, all owner-operated uh, manufacturing uh, around the world. Um, so, uh, our business has been built on key values um, uh, through the years, through the decades, uh, and at the heart of that is is, is passion. So, still being a family-owned business, um, passion still uh, for shoemaking, especially, is very much at the heart of of Echo. In terms of uh, the size and scope of Echo, it's a big company. Um, so we have 21,500 employees around the world, including our production sites um, in, in Asia and Europe still, plus all our retail footprint. So we're a vertically integrated uh, company with our owner operator model from, from making the shoes, designing the shoes, making the shoes, and then also own our retail shops around the world. Uh, and our vision, very simply put, is to be a leading premium brand for shoes and leather goods. Um, so that's the journey we're on. In terms of some numbers quickly to give you some reference around Echo as a company, uh, we're at 1.3 billion euro uh, revenue. We're active in 99 markets. Uh, we had a profit in 2018 of 210 million euros. Our biggest market is in China for selling shoes, uh, followed by USA and Russia and then some of our more traditional markets in Germany and, and, and the Northern Europe. Um, as we have six shoe factories that produce all of our shoes, um, and hopefully that some people have a pair of Echo shoes, our top seller, which you can still get in our retail shops, is the Soft 7, which I highly recommend. A little bit of a plug there, Frederick, if you don't mind. Um, yep. So in terms of our SNOP network, because we are vertically integrated, we actually run a very integrated uh, model, um, which gives us all the toys to play with in our SNOP. So we produce our own leather, as I said, we design our shoes, we produce the shoes, 
uh, we, we run our own distribution and, and we uh, actually own our retail footprint uh, around 40% globally of our own retail footprint before it gets to the consumer. So this, this model allows us to hopefully uh, integrate and, and I'm happy to share now a little bit more on that SNOP journey um, for, for, for some learning. Okay, Frederick, if you don't mind, I'll start on uh, where we where we began. Yes, because I'm always very much interested on um, what uh, uh, triggers the, the decision to start a, a SNOP. Uh, so it'd be interesting to um, to understand uh, what was the main challenge that you guys were facing, and what triggered the uh, the need for SNOP. Yeah, excellent. So our journey started a long time ago. Uh, even pre 2011, we had the foundations of an SNOP process, uh, SNOP process, but it wasn't formalized. But in 2011, the company uh, started to realize that we had some, some gaps, especially in our service levels to the market and transparency of when product was available. Uh, our process and, process and systems were, were fragmented, even that we owned a lot of the, the value chain. Um, and, and we lacked accountability across uh, the, the value chain itself. Uh, a project was formed in 2011 called Go Hio, which is get your house in order, which was a, a directive from the from the supervisory board. Uh, and, and then we identified these gaps and we launched in 2012 uh, a rebuild of, of uh, our network, essentially. So this rebuild focused on uh, clarity of business objectives, um, which were top line growth and uh, the service level excellence, so being transparent with our consumer and, and, and fulfilling on time. Um, we also stripped back our uh, systems and process uh, and went back to the core uh, programs and uh, process governance that, that drove those, uh, those top line objectives. Uh, we also made organizational changes, so we started separating into, into clearly defined business units. Uh, around the, the value chain, and we imp implemented a responsibility, accountable consulting and informing uh, model, which is we uh, term Rocky model uh, for those who are not familiar with. And that gave clarity on which tasks people were responsible or accountable for, uh, who need to be consulted, who need to be informed on, on each aspect of, the, of the, the value chain. And then finally, we actually formally uh, put an SOP program and team into the business. So dedicated resources to to actually start to run the SNOP as a formal process within the business in 2012. So uh, Scott, let me, uh, let me stop you there if you don't mind. The, um, the, what I understand from your journey, it in fact was a, a kind of a, a business slash operational transformation and the, uh, the output or the, the baby of it was the, uh, the SNOP or was that um, the big picture of the SNOP and you needed to have some prerequisites to, uh, to be implemented before you start talking about uh, having a, a proper SNOP? How was that done? Yeah, I think the SNOP gave us the, uh, it was a natural framework to, to capture what, uh, what we were seeing in the, in the Go Hire project. So to be able to focus on clear uh, objectives, to be able to then start to make uh, good value-adding decisions for the business, we needed that framework. And, and SNOP, given its, uh, although it's been around for many, many years uh, as a process, uh, given its its ability to be able to frame uh, an operational model that can deliver 
uh, that for the business. I think that's why the investment with SNOP was made uh, by Echo at that time with dedicated resources and, and, and a structure uh, that was more formal. Okay. I see that there was um, a lot of work uh, going on on the operational level, but also on the system level. Uh, you mentioned the well, your SAP was uh, stripped and, and rebuilt. C can you tell us a little bit more about the, the situation of, uh, of SAP? Did you have different versions of SAP? Was that the, well, the integrity of the data? What was the, the issue of your previous version of SNOP? Yeah, I think SAP at that time in 2011, we actually called it ZAP because there were so many uh, adaptions to the off-the-shelf model. So, uh, and I'm yeah. sure this is familiar to, to a lot of companies and, and people who work within SAP. Um, so by, uh, you know, having so many uh, adjunct operations to the, to the off-the-shelf version of SAP and what it's meant to be doing without having that framework to drive what was connected and what was formal in, in good decision-making, we had to strip it back and, and almost go to off the shelf again um, to, to be able to reset and say, okay, uh, SAP, they know what they're doing in this in these areas. So why are we keep customizing so much? Because um, it's creating a lot of uh, dark corners in the in the in the process and the system, um, which is then not giving us the clarity of the information we require or the processing speed or knowledge that we require. Okay, good. Uh, help me to understand, uh, Scott, so the business units lacked of um, accountability and responsibility. At which level was that? Was it in terms of uh, decision-making or in terms of forecast of their, the, the demand? So what was the, the lack of accountability? Okay. Uh, right through, top down, uh, from, very, uh, from board level down to the very lowest operation level, uh, which included the decision-making um, and the, the, the information flows. So this uh, document, although it was on Excel, it was a, a massive document driven. Uh, each business unit, each subtask of a business unit, and then each operational task was given a, uh, uh, a RASI or a responsibility, accountability, consultant or informative uh, action. Uh, and then it was uh, put into a matrix so that all these flows connected together. So it was almost like mapping our process governance, if that makes sense. Um, yep. by actually nominating tasks and people to those tasks. Okay, perfect. So now you, you get me uh, very much excited, Scott. So what is happening after uh, 2012? 2012, yeah. So a long time ago still, but uh, we started to, to see uh, the SNOP become part of our uh, organizational routine. So we had some really, uh, we had a couple of really good years where SNOP started to show uh, results in, 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 in our KPIs that we delivered. So we, we started to see top line growth. And as you can see on the presentation here, we also started to see uh, delivery performance from our production uh, improving as well. So this was giving customers more reliability, uh, more transparency when their shoes would be available and, and, and where, more importantly. Um, so we're starting to see oh, through. Right. Yeah, sorry, Frederick. Sorry, uh, sorry, Scott, but how long did the uh... Uh, did it take uh, you to uh, to start to see uh, some benefits from your uh, from your SNOP once the SNOP was implemented? Uh, I'd say we we got an immediate result, and then we had a bit of a plateau, and then we started to get the more longer term results. But one year plus before we actually started to see uh, sustainable change, or, or, or okay. more than a bump in the road uh, change, and that, and that's still up until today. So. Um, the work that was done in 2012 and 13 
we're still reaping the benefits in terms of that model, that uh, that that process uh, today, and that performance. So this can take okay. many years. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, um, you know, during 2014, uh, with the the top line growth as well in the company, which was fantastic, uh, we still were finding our process and systems were limiting us in making um, good good reporting or, or good analytics. Um, so whilst the business was growing, uh, our system and process wasn't. Uh, we, we did a one-time reset and then we stopped. Um, and this was also, we're starting to feel this a little bit more as the market was getting more complex and changing. And the shift in the culture with this RASI model, uh, building these business units and, and subtasks and, and more detailed tasks, this was becoming more uh, evident in the in the organisation and starting to create those sort of glass silos where, well, these are my tasks and I'm responsible for this. Uh, this is your task, you're responsible for that. You know, you didn't consult me on this, you didn't inform me. Uh, so that, that, that original reset, whilst it was very good originally, started to have off, uh, started to have cultural change within the organisation on, on this area, which uh, was, was an interesting result. Um, so it, did it come naturally, the, this cultural uh, shift? Or was that, uh, you know, somehow you had to formalise it in terms of how people should interact with each other and then uh, it just become a habit or part of the, the new culture? How did it uh, all happen? Yeah, I think the, the buying was top down. So we, we, we had a, a reset and people understood what, what we were doing. But then the interpretation of certain tasks were maybe up for questioning uh, after that and more discussion about, or oh, is this real or is that my task or your task or what does this actually mean? So the culture was, I guess, forced in to the business, but maybe not accepted completely throughout the business. Um, and this then can create some, some caveats of, of, uh, of issue, potential issues. Okay, I, I would like to come back on your first line, which uh, I see um, top line growth, improved delivery performance, transparency to customers. So I would like to understand better uh, what was the, um, the expectation uh, from the organization, from the, the SNOP, and um, somehow what did you sell uh, to the organization about the, yep. the benefit of the, of the SNOP? Yeah, so the having clearly defined KPIs uh, back in 2011, saying that we wanted to improve, improve those service level uh, to our customers. So improving delivery performance was the ultimate KPI on, on that aspect. So uh, showing those results uh, and being able to tell that story that we're getting results because of the investment in this process um, was very important. Then the top line growth, there's many factors that can impact this, but allowing a, a formal process like SNOP to to be able to transparently measure uh, that top line, not just because we made more sales or we opened a new market, uh, where th where is this coming from and why? Uh, this was a really important journey as well to be able to report into the uh, management of the business um, uh, the, the results, essentially. So those clear KPIs are really important. And then the storytelling of, of how those results came about was, was just as important uh, in, in the later years. Yeah, storytelling is usually not uh, our forte and uh, the supply chain community, but it's uh, now a critical skill to, uh, to, to have, basically, to explain uh, 
uh, what would be the the, the benefit, uh, what the, how the organization is going to uh, get out of the facility, and if you can't explain in a compelling way, uh, it's, uh, then it falls apart, and, uh, and your SMP goes nowhere. So an important aspect, which I, I hear more and more particularly, uh, storytelling. So I think the future of uh, of the supply chain professional uh, lies into the, the, the storytelling uh, uh, sector, basically. Mm. And I, I know this as well, Frederick, that storytelling is important, but as I'm doing these slides, I realize I'm still presenting like a supply chain professional. So uh, it's not an easy skill to learn uh, when you've been in the in the background and in supply chain for many years, <laughs> but it's something we must do. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, so yeah. yeah, so some of these uh, little things were creeping in that uh, worried us a bit. So in, in 2015 and, and through 2016, we actually, uh, we continually reviewed our process and, and procedures, uh, our systems and our, our results. And we actually hit a bit of a reset button in some areas. So we understood that our customer and our markets were becoming more complex as we were moving towards more of a retail model and e-commerce model. Um, and this one size fits all approach in terms of our SNOP seemed to become a little bit awkward. Um, so we, we, we had to review and understand how we could uh, meet the new demands from these uh, customers. Um, we then looked at our process governance as well and we, we, we actually realized we didn't have an annual map essentially in our SNOP. Um, so we went down and looked at our macro activities, um, which then drive the operational monthly activities. Uh, and we came up with our uh, annual plan in what we do, uh, which we still use today very much, um, and when the important times of the year are. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, and we moved, started moving a lot of our planning processes onto a cloud-based system. Uh, and this was important to come out of uh, less transparent uh, systems, uh, processes, um, to allow us to make cleaner, quicker decisions on, on the data that was available. So this was a really important move during uh, 2016. Yeah. So can you explain us, uh, Scott, how does it work, your 2019 outlook from January to December? Yes. Um, so we are in a seasonal business. So we are always working on around three to four seasons at a time. So the season we're in selling as a retail, which at the moment is our spring, summer 19. Uh, where we're um, just finished production of our autumn winter 19 uh, and that's been distributed around the world. Uh, SS20 is in, uh, in the first stages of production um, after its development process and uh, we're already starting to look at AV20 um, as, a, as, a, as a concept. Um, so that's where we are now, the red arrow, I'm not sure if you can see in August. Um, but from January, we sort of one season back uh, then we do uh, every quarter we do a, a value target calibration, a volume target um, calibration, which is basically assessing each of those four seasons where we're at, what does that mean, footprint, supply, uh, which markets, distribution networks, where we need to invest resource. Then we have uh, a more operational forecast in April. We do a, a, an annual planning cycle in June, which starts to form budgets, but it's part of the SNO pre-process. Um, and then in, in September, we start to set the budget for next year, which is then coming from all the uh, volume target calibrations uh, throughout the year. 
So the budget's not exclusively written from the SNOP process yet, but it's getting very close because we have the numbers available uh, through this uh, through this annual cycle. Okay, clear. Thanks a lot. Okay. Um, then if we move quickly into quickly, I should say it's a long journey, but uh, 2017 to 2018. Um, we had some some interesting things happen. So revenue and profit continue to grow, which is fantastic for our business. Um, and and but we felt our SNOP network was not quite connecting the dots still, and we we didn't really understand why. But th some things started not going to plan in terms of uh, delivery or uh, some some issues in in, in inventory. Um, and this basically was identified as a as a misalignment between what we understood as a real demand versus our actual supply. So when, when I mean real demand. Yeah, I know, uh, we all know the, the fake news, uh, yeah. but I didn't have the fake demand. What is it uh, versus uh, the real demand? Yeah, in, in our case, it was a budget demand. So it was what uh, top management wished for, not was a, not a bottom up forecast coming from the market. So. If I talk to the markets, they're saying there's no way we can uh, there's no way we can sell this uh, this volume, but I must put this number in because that's what management want to see. Um, and so even with a more mature SNOP process, we'll we'll see this as well um, creeping through. And this is a, a really big concern because without the real numbers, you can't really start to make good decisions. Um, and and especially with our integrated uh, uh, integrated value chain, where we actually control our own supply. Uh, this is really making a big impact in terms of how we set up our foot production footprints. Um, yeah. So this was not going to plan uh, as we'd hoped. Um, so how did you how did you overcome that uh, that challenge specifically? Uh, we're still overcoming it, to be honest, Frederick. Uh, oh, yeah. Forecasting process is 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 a bit of a holy grail uh, for for okay. us in, in Echo. Um, understanding eighty eight markets is not easy um, through distribution, retail and e-commerce channels um, so we need uh, aggregation we need better tools and ability and we need uh, we need the knowledge coming from the ground up um, so this is a, a working process at the moment but we identify that and we and we're, and we're working towards that um, one other really interesting thing that came up in 2017 was we started to see a huge expansion in our inventory profile uh, especially with the finished shoes uh, within the whole pipeline um, and some of our key KPIs on revenue growth and uh, and service level agreements started to get blurred with this uh, bias towards a previously unidentified KPI, and that distracted a lot of the SNOP network to focus on a particular KPI that wasn't uh, integrated with the the rest of the SNOP, uh, and this created an imbalance in terms of the resourcing and, and focus on what we're trying to achieve. Okay. So these are some things that can still go wrong in a developing SNOP uh, uh, journey. Um, then where we are now, so this year and, and where we hope to be in the future is uh, back to this forecasting, we wanna integrate our global forecasting tool. Uh, we have the process governance written already and we wanna put the system in place. Uh, so hard to see all the detail in this map deliberately because it's a little bit sensitive, but this is our uh, this is our map of our systems and process. Um, so the green boxes that you can see through our uh, different uh, swimming lanes there is Excel. So we still use a lot of Excel, as you can see. 
the the orange boxes are SAP, which is our backbone uh, for financial reasons, and then the the blue is where we start to implement these cloud-based programs, um, which on on one platform. So what next year looks like uh, is a little different. There's many more blue boxes, which is really focused around taking these forecasting uh, tasks out of Excel and, and into uh, into the cloud program to integrate with the the rest of the planning uh, activities. Perfect. So we so, have, uh, yeah, we have um, two more minutes, um, Scott, before we, we conclude. So um, uh, I have um, a question, in fact, that would be beneficial for all the, the participants today, uh, which is um, if you had to say, um, I would say, the top three lessons that you've, uh, you've learned across your, um, within your journey. What would be uh, what would be uh, the, those three lessons? Yeah, um, it's it's a great question. I think there's there's many areas that we we've learnt along the way. Um, but the key takeaways, Frederick, for for if you if you don't have an SNOP process right now, you need to be very honest, looking in the mirror and assessing where you are today um, within your business process, and and strip it back and be happy to understand that maybe. Things like profit and revenue growth may be going well, but you don't understand why. You have to sit back and understand it's okay not to know why because once you understand those problems, then you can start to deal with and, and put in priorities and process uh, governance to, to build the SNOP. So I'd say that, that was our first lesson early on that we, we were not afraid to strip everything back and not start again, but to understand where our priorities lie. Um, the second one, uh, which we touched on already, was getting the buy-in from all stakeholders in the business, which I think we, we stumbled a little bit in, in 2015 with because uh, if you don't feel... if it, we, we had a lot of top-down buy-in on this process and the, the investment in resources to be dedicated, etc. But without the, the guys on the ground really understanding what they're doing, um, they don't buy into it and then we start to find fractions. Uh, we, f we fracture the, the system a little bit or the process. So I think the, the storytelling up to management but also down into the organisation and laterally uh, on why SNOP works and, and the success stories and the failures and what we're doing about it is also extremely important throughout the journey of building an SNOP uh, into your business. Um, and, and the last one there is, is probably the last point I have on this slide is, is we're now trying to keep our SNOP uh, process more fluid so we don't have things that pop up and surprise us or we don't have things that we repress and don't want to deal with because it's not in our current uh, process. Um, so we're trying to be a little bit more balanced in, in looking at all business objectives and be a little bit fluid in terms of what uh, KPIs we look at and how that's balanced across uh, a very an ever-changing market. Um, so <clears throat> we can't be scared to to change up our process every now and then uh, and keep reviewing it constantly to see where we're at and, and where we can get more mature in uh, in our process. Okay, perfect. So thanks a lot, Scott, for your very insightful presentation. Now it's time to move to the Q&A uh, session. So uh, uh, I'm asking the participant to pose your question on the, uh, I think it's on the left side of your uh, screen on the Q&A uh, button. Uh, you can post your questions and uh, we'll be happy to, uh, to answer them. So what is it, uh, Scott, 
Is it a cloud of drones? <laughs> so this is a little bit of inspiration uh, from 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 being a Danish company. This is a very interesting phenomenon of, of how birds flock together over a lake in Denmark, uh, and essentially a, a, a natural phenomenon. Um, it's, it's a defensive mechanism from these small birds to, to fend off the bigger birds. Um, so they fly around in patterns to, to confuse their predators. And um, I'm not sure how this relates to, to SNOP exactly for us, but uh, it, it sometimes it's more like we, we, we should look outside theory and, and academia to look at what other things can inspire us to, to do better. Uh, and that can be referenced into the SNOP journey. Perfect. We have a first question, so let me read it for you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Uh, I have a question regarding measurement of your success. How many KPIs do you use across the global business? Does every unit have uh, an further KPI sets particular to that unit or very high level KPIs across the entire business? Yeah, it's a great question and um, it's not an easy one to answer, but I think we need to build pyramid KPI uh, or we have built a pyramid KPI. So what management see is the high level KPIs and you come down into the more operational level you've got sub KPIs. But if you can't show the connection between these KPIs, uh, so like we went to a bias on inventory in 2017 because we had a blowout there and we focused so much on it and it became a key KPI. Well, that should have already been a key KPI. Um, but then the level of detail we measured inventory uh, was was almost, uh, it was exhausting. Um, and so all our time in our executive SNOP meetings was spent on explaining inventory positions and, and we lost focus. So I think you need to really understand that you have three, four KPIs into management, uh, which is around what is a priority for your business. Uh, and then you can have, I don't know, hundreds, millions underneath at an operational level, but as long as they reference in to those uh, top KPIs. So we found that works a bit more for us now in a balanced way, uh, and it allows us to maintain uh, priority and, and resourcing priority uh, on what's important to, to the business success. Okay, thanks a lot. We have a second question. Hi, Scott, was uh, Goayo, I don't know how you pronounce it, uh, my uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pronunciation is not good. So how do you pronounce it? Go Ohio. <laughs> Go Ohio project, yes, that's uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, initiated by Eco Exec Board or by supply chain? And if supply chain, what was the key uh, argument to get your board buying? No, it was a top-down uh, project. I guess Go Ohio was the the, the the advertising for the project, the, the storytelling. So get your house in order was an instruction from management to say our customers are not happy. Uh, we're not. We're not doing what we should be doing and we're not making the money we should be making. So go and find a way to get your house in order. And then those uh, business units, including supply chain, had to combine uh, together to work out what was the problems, where the problems were stemming from, and then to come up with a concept to, uh, to, to, to address these issues. And then that was signed off by management. The way that SNOP fits into that was that was the framework that we used to, to, to keep going on uh, improving um, on those findings from 2011. So uh, it was a review, essentially. Um, then the Go Hire was a banner project, and then we uh, we all got on with it, essentially. So it was not driven by supply chain, it was driven by uh, top management, 
and supply chain was a part of the the working task force in that project. Thanks. Another question. So, hi Scott, which planning tool are you using, and are you happy about it? Um, I'm never happy, so uh, we can always improve things. But, uh, um, we are we're using a cloud-based uh, program company called Anaplan at the moment, um, and that's where we're dropping a lot of our day-to-day uh, -day operational work onto uh, using uh, project modules. Um, that's either developed already by them, or we're developing with them. Or the, the beauty with Anaplan is that you can actually develop the the tools yourself uh, in-house without uh, without having to have uh, a bunch of IT guys. You can actually get business uh, uh, business people, supply chain people to build these models on the cloud. So uh, that's mainly what we're using, but of course SAP is our backbone. Uh, and I have to be very honest, we still use Excel spreadsheet like it's uh, still the best process and system in the world. So, um, but we're trying to get out of that as much as we can. Okay. Another question for you. Um, how do you cater the different of product, geographies, business lines, and to what extent do they participate in the SNOP? Uh, yeah, so we, we learned that one size doesn't fit all in our uh, in our model, uh, and we're still now on a journey oh, for of a learning. Shoe, for, for a shoe company, uh, Scott, uh, I think that's uh, yeah. pretty much normal. There's several, several sizes, different <laughs> yeah. sizes of, uh, of fit. Yeah, I mean, if 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 we walk into a shoe a shoe into a shop, into a shoe shop, and they don't have our size, we lose a sale. So this is unacceptable. So to understand our our channels of distribution, uh, which markets are accepting which type of products, uh, and then to to match our entire supply network to get to that stage where we don't miss those opportunities, is is it's very complex, and we're still on that journey to make it perfect. Um, and I don't think we'll ever get there to be perfect, but we can certainly improve and get better and, and maximize those sales. So yes, we do look at channel distribution segmentation. We do look at product uh, segmentation, uh, and that is built into our uh, reporting and our SNOP. Um, but as it's uh, aggregated up to uh, our executive, it's a, it's a one picture of, of what, the, what the priority is. And right now our priority is our big profitable markets um, as a driver. For, ex for example. Okay. Um, hi, Scott. Thanks for the presentation. Was Ecos culture an enabler or a barrier for the implementation of the SNOP? Uh, absolutely both. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, having a vertically integrated supply chain or value chain is, is, is an absolute massive enabler because we are working with everyone who works for Echo. Um, so, uh, absolutely, to get things done quickly when everyone buys in is, is a massive benefit. Um, but then, like living with a family, a brother or a sister, uh, you can have some some infighting, um, and this does become a bit of a prohibitor. Um, so we need to keep reviewing and keep refocusing on on what's the objectives, and the SNOP needs to be the framework to uh, to, to to be able to drive that uh, that those discussions in a in a evaluating way. Okay. Um, hi Scott, what's your forecast accuracy? Is it considered as a critical KPI at Echo? Uh, I can't give you a, an absolute number on forecast accuracy. Um, I would say our, our we, we actually use a KPI called supply, supply plan stability, which is the, the next best thing for us, and that's at around about 65%. So we change our plans a third of the time to, to deliver to the market demand. 
Um, so we are working on bringing those forecasting tools in, which will give us a much better picture on actual uh, forecast error. Um, and once we have that, then we'll know, you know, what we can do within our network to improve uh, our service levels to our to our customers. But this is also a change. We're going from a push to a pull model in retail. Um, so there's some some other things that we need to consider that we don't today, uh, which makes it difficult on our forecasting uh, process. So probably not a great answer for, for the participant who asked that question, uh, but it's very important that we get this under control. I think, Scott, the answer is uh, you don't measure the forecast accuracy, basically. I mean, the way uh, most organizations are, are doing it, uh, and uh, basically the, the supply chain stability is a much more meaningful uh, KPI for you guys, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, I, I would say, um, different from what others are doing. That's uh, also uh, interesting. Yeah, but we, we, we need to move on in that forecasting area and, and, and we are focused on that at the moment in the, in the SNOP network. Thank you. Um, still um, on the KPIs level, uh, I scored, uh, which KPIs are you reviewing during the exec SNOP meeting? So I don't know if you call it uh, exec SNOP yep. meeting, but that's typically the, the meeting, the last meeting with the management. So which KPIs are you reviewing? So we, 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 look, at, uh, we look at revenue, we look at profit, uh, year to date, um, we look at the the sales price of uh, the shoe, the contribution margins, uh, and we look at our inventory position. So these are the five main KPIs. Um, I think next year we'll also start to look at uh, a, a forecasting um, KPI in that executive meeting once we have the the analytics uh, up and running. So very very few KPIs that are reviewed, uh, and then that launches into where we need to make decisions. So presenting those KPIs is, is five to 10 minutes in an executive meeting. And then the rest is presenting analytics for decision-making, whether we increase or reduce uh, capacity, whether we uh, look at a new market, whether we understand that we need, to, we're missing things in our collections, uh, these type of things for the for, for six to 12 months uh, decision-making uh, activity. Okay, those KPIs are very much uh, business oriented, and with that in place, uh, you are still uh, somehow uh, struggling to, um, to make a decision out of your SNOP meetings. Uh, sometimes I think that's uh, case by case. So some decisions uh, make themselves. It's a presentation of the facts, and then everyone agrees to the decision. Some sometimes it's more complex, and uh, we can get into uh, some shoemaking discussions on <laughs> on <laughs> what should be the right approach for the company <laughs> yeah that's usually the, the bias of the of the management that are very much yeah. involved exactly by the by the product itself exactly with the business yeah uh, good i have another question for you which is um, are you considering going to an ibp or is it still too early well, that's an interesting one, Frederick. Maybe you can uh, <laughs> you can answer this one for me. Should we move to an IPP or not? <laughs> no, um, in fact, well, talk to Jay first, and then let's see what we can do to you so that you can move to a level four yeah. on the maturity scale of the SNOP, and then maybe we can we could consider taking yeah. you to level five, which is the IBP level. So it's a yeah. it's a bit early. We need to be a little bit more patient. Yeah, I think we're still. Uh, I think we're still around a two, maybe just a bit more than a two on the maturity model. Uh, 
model. So I'd say we have some time before we can say that we can do IPB, but uh, certainly it's on the horizon and something we should keep thinking about. Yeah. Uh, I have another question. Which horizon are you looking at for your, uh, into your SNOP process? Yep. Okay. So we have a very defined model on this. So uh, at an operational level, we look at uh, three to six months. So that's the, the season, essentially, um, that we're working in uh, operationally. And then anything on the executive is uh, six, it's the next season plus, uh, including footprints for the next five years. Um, uh, footprints meaning capacity, supply, uh, market expansion, etc. So um, operationally, day to day, in our normal business is is anywhere between tomorrow and three months. Operational SNOP uh, forum is is the three to six months plus one season, and then executive is uh, next season plus forever. <laughs> okay. Um, so the last question would be uh, from me uh, basically, uh, since we are reaching the uh, the fifteen minutes. Uh, uh, deadline. There's uh, you mentioned about the, the governance, um, which was somehow uh, managed uh, globally. So how do you, how does it work basically between the global uh, SF organization and the, the local? By local, I mean regional. Huh? On the, the level we, we have. Yeah. So we we it's a great question. We have this umbrella in Denmark, which is the the value chain, uh, SNOP. Uh, and then we have strategically uh, dedicated resources within business units to, to uh, work um, with that team uh, outside of the SNOP process to, to be able to have those voices from, the, from either the production or the markets or the, the branding, marketing teams, etc. Um, so this model is showing some uh, ways improving of working and not just have a top-down this is how we do things and you must comply um, because we can't see everything from the ivory tower all the time. Um, so I think we, we were a little bit like that uh, a few years ago where it was a very top down, this is the governance model, get on with it. And now we're a little bit more sensing um, uh, what the business unit requirements are. Perfect, so the, the webinar reaches its end. So I would like to, to say a big thank you, Scott, for sharing your insight, uh, the goods and the less good the ups yep. and the downs of your SNOP uh, journey. Uh, thanks, thanks also to the participants for your active particip participation and also the interesting questions. That was um, uh, on my side very good uh, in terms of interaction. So to continue the discussion, I'd like to invite you to follow us on LinkedIn and be consulting for more insight. And also I think we have two upcoming masterclass for the SNOP, one in Paris, one in Singapore. I don't recall exactly the, the date. You can connect with us and uh, uh, and get the, the date for the event. So finally, I'd like to thank the B2G team for arranging the seminar. So Jay, Shika, Rishi, um, and uh, of course, uh, uh, Scott uh, from ECHO. So thanks a lot and uh, bye for now. Thank you, Frederick. Thank you.